did the Cardinals learn from their mistakes last week? Let's hope so. Otherwise, they're in for a long Sunday afternoon. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. Her voice is fine. Mine is not. We'll battle through it. The Cardinals battle facing a mobile quarterback for the second straight week. And this week's quarterback is better than last week. How will the Cardinals contain Jalen Hurts? Keyword there, contain. Plus practice news and notes. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 714, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealou. So how is it that you're on show four in less than 24 hours, and it is my voice that is feeling the effects? I don't have an answer to that, Craig. Natural selection? <laughs> Morning Survival Scramble. Survival of the fittest. Morning Scramble. Red Sea Report. Underground. That was all on Tuesday. <laughs> and here we are on Wednesday. Cardinals cover two. Just need to get you on the Big Red Rage. Again with you trying to replace... Paul. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Craig. Your voice reminds me as you're dealing with the head cold <laughs> of um, not like a huge Friends fanatic, but the episode where Phoebe is sick and her singing voice sounds a lot better, so she tries to stay sick. It's kind of weird hearing your voice sound different. Do you prefer this or I pre- the normal? Just either way, Craig. Just being in your presence <sighs> is all I prefer. Wow. Okay. Again, I'm hoping that you make history <laughs> because it has never happened in which one person is on all five shows in one week. So if you pull a Tanya Harding on Paul... We'll know who to come looking for. Well, you said it. <laughs> Not me, but we'll see. I am impressed, though. The run of shows with Danny Sarek here. Thank you. So we keep it going. We'll power through. Cardinals on Wednesday, open portion of practice. Some good and some not so good. Like Kyler Murray, dealing with a little bit of a holiday bug, not on the practice field. I'm not sure if that's what I've got. Mine is just the voice. But if you don't, if you're a quarterback and you can't speak, that's a problem. I have thought about that before of even if a quarterback isn't sick, if they just lose their voice, laryngitis, I mean, that's got to be tough of having to rely on hand signals and a silent count and all that stuff in a game. You can just do what DK Metcalf did and learn sign <laughs> learn language. Sign language. They're going to find a way to start finding him, honestly, after he made clear why he was doing that for his touchdown oh, celebrations. Of course. It's, I applaud the effort. I do, too. But, again, that's DK Metcalf for you. All right, so no K-1. Which, when Gannon mentioned that at the start of his press conference Wednesday, said there wasn't a concern at this point that he would miss Sunday's game. And, again, what happens on Wednesday, typically you don't really rush to judgment for a Sunday. Having said that, however... Yeah, we hope you're good to go, Craig. Yeah, exactly. Hollywood Brown not on the practice field on Wednesday. Did spot him in the locker room during the open portion available to the media. Still dealing with that heel issue, and now it's just a matter of since he missed last week. I'd like to see him play, but at the same time, this is a contract year. He's got to do best what's best for him first and foremost when you're in that situation. Absolutely, and I could see it both ways. 
he doesn't strike me as the kind of player where if he feels healthy enough to play, he will sit out because it's a contract year. He might not play this week, but if he feels good enough next week, it wouldn't really surprise me if Brown plays next week. Having Brown just on the football field, period. I mean, I was talking with you online earlier before the show, The and you brought this up on Tuesday's Red Sea Report, which... For those that might have missed it, go back into the archives because it was a great point that you brought up as far as how do you evaluate the Cardinals' defense based off the number of injuries. Same can be said about this Cardinals' offense. We did get news on Wednesday. Zayvon Collins should be fine this week. He was seen working on the side. He hurt his foot against the Bears, but spoke to him during the open portion in the locker room. He says he'll be fine. Lucky Fotu making a return, designated to return. That practice window is open. Does he take the spot of Jonathan Ledbetter, who's done for the year with a knee injury? Has yet to be placed on IR, however. But there could be a one-for-one if Fotu is ready this week and then you just end Ledbetter's season. Having Fotu out here on the practice, on the field rather, would be huge for this defense after suffering so many injuries, the latest being Jonathan Ledbetter. Gannon did say Wednesday that Ledbetter was going to go on IR. So I would imagine that's happening maybe later Wednesday afternoon. I did see Ledbetter still on using one of those crutches. And the fact that it's a knee and he's already done for the year wouldn't surprise me if that's something that might require surgery. And maybe that's why he's going on IR is just kind of the way things, those types of injuries and those quick decisions typically are around the league. You're talking about, though, the point of evaluating a defense that, one, has had sparks but consistently has not been very good, especially at stopping the run and with injuries. And you did a little digging uh, after I, I brought that up on Red Sea Report. And I'll share your notes. I'll, I'll save, save <laughs> you the trouble that. of talking, Craig. These are your notes that the defense has yet to start the same 11 players in back-to-back weeks. They came close, weeks 8, 9, and 10, but Kevin Strong missed week 8. And then Starling Thomas started over Antonio Hamilton in week 10 at the cornerback spot. So you didn't get back-to-back spots. The offense is not as significant, but Kyler Murray's only played two of his six games with his top three wide receivers, Hollywood Brown, Michael Wilson, and Rondell Moore. And on top of that, Kyler's played with three left guards. Now, at this point in the year, all teams are dealing with injury. The Cardinals have been dealing with this all year. And you you don't have that consistency, not just in terms of the play, in terms of the personnel. It's just going to be interesting, the evaluations that are done in the offseason around that when you didn't get a lot of chances and games of what your full team, all sides of the ball, could really look like when everyone's healthy. It's possible to evaluate individually, but then how do you bring those individuals together as part of a scheme, and how do you evaluate that scheme that's best for your roster when you don't have all the pieces in place? That, I think, is what you were getting at, specifically defense, because, yeah, there's a lot of shuffling. And remember, when you start, that's just the first play of the game, and you might not play another snap the rest of the game and there's more shuffling defensively what's interesting about Kyler remember a year ago what did we talk about zero games for K1 with DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown and Rondell Moore 
None of those three were on the field together with Kyler Murray. And only once did Kyler have Hollywood and D-Hop on the field together. So when you talk about this offense and trying to work out the timing and the chemistry between quarterback and pass catchers, how do you evaluate that moving forward? I will say, I think when you're talking about specifically the wide receivers, I think you've seen enough. I, I think decisions can easily be made there. Now, I say easily because, well, one, it's not my job, but but decisions in terms of, okay, if this is what you want, this is what you would have seen out of somebody like Hollywood Brown, which is in a contract year, I think, where all of your decisions at wide receiver really stem from. I think you've seen enough out of Brown with Michael Wilson. You have Rondell Moore and Greg Dortch, Zach Pascal. You You've seen enough, in my opinion, of the wide receivers and – it's not so much on either side of the ball. It's not so much about who you have. It's what are you still missing. The defense specifically, it is a lot of young players. Part, mostly because you've been dealing with so many injuries, really on that D-line. But when you're talking more about like the quarterback's position where it's been a revolving door and you've really been relying on a lot of youth there, I don't think it's about cutting any of those players I think it's more about this is what we have who do we still need to bring in we know what we have we also know what we don't have and that's where I think even though you haven't been entirely healthy you can get enough out of the valuations of you can see where the holes still are defensively looking at week one versus now week 16 there are just four players who started week one that are still playing in that rotation. Victor Dumukeji, Zaven Collins, Buda Baker, and Jalen Thompson. Marco Wilson has been released. Keytrell Clark has been benched. You've got LJ Collier, Lucky Fotu, Kaiser White, Josh Woods on IR. Carlos Watkins, Jonathan Ledbetter. So how do you figure out what this defense we know get to your point. We know what this defense needs, but do you have pieces here that could help and then elevate everyone else? I do think there are a good amount of pieces here that can still be productive for you. You're just missing star power at enough positions. I think if the D-line were healthier, longer, we saw some good things out of Watkins and Collier, and I think the way that Kevin Strong has been playing, Dante Stills has been playing well. I think that's a position where if you were fully healthy, I think you would have been okay. You could still use some star power. I'm thinking more of the pass rushers. I don't think you need to gut that room per se. I just think you need to bring more people in and then a whole offseason and another year for a rookie B.J. Ojolari. You got a lot of good things out of Dennis Gardak. It was the same with Zayvon Collins as a middle linebacker. That rookie year, it, it took him a full year to really feel comfortable and look comfortable and that he wasn't thinking through so much and was more just reacting and playing. It's possible that's part of the transition his first year outside. I think you have enough pieces to supplement the star power that needs to be brought in. Zayvon Collins, the only defensive player to start every single game this season. You had a chance to speak to him after practice for sideline exchange. 
because there has been a lot of talk about Zavin, his production or perceived lack thereof as far as rushing the quarterback first full year, but not. It's a little bit misleading because it was a learning experience this first full year. Now you go into an offseason. If you know what your role is going to be, then you can kind of practice it a little bit on your own. I think Zavin was kind of held back waiting, one, for what the head coach and the defensive staff was going to be, who it was going to be, and then what they saw in him for his role moving forward. They decided to make him an outside linebacker, but now with a full offseason for him, how much better can he be? I think you can expect a big leap for Zayvon Collins next year with that time and how smart he is and the time he puts in to his craft. It's Zayvon a lot of times that's out there near the end of practice or staying late to help his teammates with film or moves or anything like that out on the practice field. His position coach, Rob Rodriguez, has said nothing but glowing things to say about Zayvon and his work ethic and what he's doing. It is more than just sacks when you're looking at production from from an edge rusher you still need more I don't want to take that away I don't want it to sound like Zavin is having a spectacular year his first year outside you could absolutely see more from him and I think it's reasonable to expect more because we know his work ethic and we saw that progression when he was inside I think it's fair to have those same expectations for growth outside would it surprise you because it surprised me when I read the stat that according to Pro Football Reference, and there are a number of different analytical sites out there that measure this, but as far as pressure rate against Justin Fields, the Cardinals had their third best pressure rate of the season at 27.3%. There were times Zabin was in the backfield, Rory Lopez. So it's not that I wouldn't believe that. I wonder how much of that is just... Justin Fields being able to escape pressure in the pocket so quickly and continue to make plays on the move. The games in which the Cardinals had a better pressure rate, Week 10 against the Falcons, Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter, and then Week 8 against the Baltimore Ravens, which is Lamar Jackson. That was 31.3%. So you're talking about Two of those three quarterbacks, or four if you count the Falcons having to switch quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks. That's interesting. And you got another mobile quarterback this week, Jalen Hurts, who maybe is not as having a as good a season as a Lamar Jackson, but is certainly better performing than Justin Fields has so far. And it's not just when you're talking about the legs comparing Fields and Hurts. Hertz is much more accurate when he when he's throwing the ball when he is on the move when he has escaped the pocket. I think there are things you can take away generally of last week into this week of defending a mobile quarterback. Game plans change every week with personnel. Finding the sweet spot though of pressuring the pocket and then setting the edges preventing those scrambles that that's where fields just ripped him apart was he had a 39 and a 33 yard scramble that's a good chunk of his 97 rushing guards against the cardinals jalen hurts in my opinion though is going to be tougher now he's again another similarity fields and hurts big strong stout quarterbacks that are tough to tackle that was an issue with fields Hurts, though, when you're talking about his leg still, 
He has the third most rushing yards amongst quarterbacks right behind Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. However, he's got 15 rushing touchdowns, which is second most in the league regardless of position. There's only four games Hertz has not run for a touchdown. That is scary. So what is the lesson learned from a week ago that the Cardinals can apply this week? Yeah, two different quarterbacks, but I think the principles or at least the idea is somewhat similar. That is, as best you can, keep them in the pocket. Absolutely. Again, the the difference, though, is Chicago doesn't have a scary passing game. We saw that the few times that fields through the ball that Jalen Thompson pick in the end zone. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles have a scary passing game. They are incre- they are incredibly efficient. That that is one of the biggest differences between the two of when your quarterback is scrambling. Hurts is still very accurate when he throws the ball in those situations. That is something that Jonathan Gannon brought up, Nick Rollis brought up, Buda Baker, who addressed the media on Wednesday, mentioned as well, and that Eagles passing attack, A.J. Brown, over 1,000 receiving yards. Devontae Smith, over 1,000 receiving yards, combined 14 touchdown receptions. The Bears didn't have that. The Eagles do, and the idea of a spy has been brought up, but as Gannon said, quote, you take one out of coverage when you devote someone to focus on the quarterback, and I don't think this Eagles offense allows you to take someone out of coverage. They just have so many weapons. It's not the same as San Francisco in terms of how they play, but when you're looking at the roster, it kind of feels the same way of who exactly are you able to to circle? Who are you zeroing in on when they've got so many options? That's not even touching their offensive line, Craig, and, and how good their O-line is. And I'm a little scared of fourth and one, fourth and two situations against that Eagles O-line of – the uh, brotherly shove, the tush push, that is near impossible. I will say, if there's anybody in the league who knows how to stop the Eagles in those situations, wouldn't you think it would be Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollis, their, their former linebackers and defensive coordinator? Coach? That would be a good thought. Yet at the same time, you can have a great play, but do you have the personnel to execute said play? That's a good point. And I think that goes when you talk about familiarity. Sure. Gannon is all kinds of familiar with Jalen Hurts and an entire offense, the defense as well. But on the flip side, do you have an offense, do you have a defense to counteract what the Eagles do so well offensively and defensively? There's not a lot of teams in the league that can. Wouldn't just be the Cardinals. That's true. It's most and that's teams why they're the, the two seed in the NFC right now with 11 wins. So it's a daunting task. Not made any easier the fact that it's New Year's Eve day. I'm not sure what the weather's going to be like. Cold. Colder than Chicago, so I've heard. But it so doesn't matter to you I'll because be you're not box. on the sideline. We yes. got Polly Pigskin back now, unless, of course, as we've made mention several times this week, as you continue to push him to the side. <laughs> but then there's the other aspect of this game and the fan base. I'm kind of excited. I've and never not, been to the link. And it's not just that the Cardinals are going into Philadelphia. It's Jonathan Gannon is going into Philadelphia. I am expecting Gannon. Gannon told the media he's not expecting any sort of reception from the fans. I don't buy that. I am expecting a lot of boos, which might be hard because if he's running out with the team and and they're booing the team in general, 
the the Philly fans were very vocal with their displeasure of <laughs> Jonathan Gannon when he was still their defensive coordinator right after the Super Bowl and then staying in Arizona for his interview as the head coach and taking the head coaching job. And the Eagles fans did not like that. I'm not saying it should have or could have been handled differently. They did not like that. They had some choice words. Now, I do think, as of late, the fact that the Eagles have made a change, not at defensive coordinator, but who is calling the defensive plays, I think some of those fans are recognizing maybe what they had in Gannon uh, and what they no longer have. Even those fans, I, I expect loud boos. I'd ask the same question to Rawless when he talked to the media Tuesday, and he kind of smiled. And I think there would probably be a little bit of pride to go to the link and get booed, just knowing those fans, right, and, and how seriously they take Eagles football. I'm sure that would, even if you're getting booed, I, I'm sure that would still partially feel kind of good. It's a sign of respect. Yes. But to your point, there has to be an appreciation for Gannon and Rawls, considering, yes, there is a new defensive play caller. Matt Patricia took over that job two weeks ago. Plus, you have a defense that is 25th in scoring, 20th in total yards, bottom third on third down, red zone, and goal to go. So what's the big missing piece from this defense versus last year's defense? Two coaches that are now with the Arizona Cardinals. I, I do think it'll be a fun game for them. Rawls does not show emotion on game days. Even pregame, when he's already got his hood on, he's walking past me. He is so zeroed in on whatever he is looking at as he's walking onto the field. No emotion there. I would expect we see the same persona from him. Gannon is always so fired up. I don't know how he could have any more juice or motivation, but I would imagine at least internally he does. I still believe once that whistle blows, it's quote-unquote another game for him. But I believe for both of them, this game probably means a little more just because they so recently came from Philly. Pre-game will be different. Post-game, if it's a win, I'm curious to see how what is said from Jonathan Gannon. And then that post-game handshake between the two head coaches, two very, very good friends, Gannon and Nick Sirianni. Because it's bragging rights more than anything. And I liked Sirianni had a quote earlier this week. I haven't listened to it, so I haven't heard if it was more serious or more in the friendly manner of he kind of wants Gannon to be uncomfortable at the link. He wants those fans to be loud. Sirianni rallied or wants those Eagles fans to be as loud, as boisterous as possible to the point where Gannon never wants to come back. That, in a nutshell, is what Sirianni said on WIP Radio. Was And then Gannon mentioned it, that, yeah, Nick called me and let me know what he said on radio. So I do think that there Gannon knows what he's walking into. Yes. I, I do think it will be an exciting environment. I think the fact, too, that it's... New Year's Eve might elevate some things in the stands. Again, I'm just glad I will be safe and up high in the press box and I won't be, you know, down near any any areas where something could be thrown from the stands the way Paul will be. You do do a post a pregame radio hit though. I do from the field. From the pregame I do a huddle. Of them, yes. So, pay I'll, attention. Head on a swivel. Okay. And then postgame Head on a swivel. If you have to. Especially if it's a Cardinals win. Go underneath, you know, if you have to, find some covering. 
So just a little word of advice. Thank you. All right. So how did it go? How'd I do? With your voice? Voice. Better? Great. Good? Okay. Either way, Craig. All right. I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to be like Kyler Murray, although I did. Maybe I was maybe limited. I wasn't a complete non-participant. I was at least limited on Wednesday. You don't sound bad. You just sound different. That's all. And as we've established, it's not good different. (laughs) It's not. It's not bad different. It's just different, Craig. All right. Well, I'll take that as a positive. And we will conclude this Wednesday episode of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Again, let's get a petition going, see if we can't push Paul aside for Thursday's Big Red Rage and have Danny make history and be on every single show for the week. My goodness. I hope Paul's not listening to this. This I mean, I hope he is as, you know, a listener, but sheesh. He should be listening. He should be listening to everything. Tough crowd. There's only one kind of... I'm, I'm preparing him for what awaits at Lincoln Financial Field. Oh, that's a good save. See? Good save, Craig. See? I'm, I'm, I'm actually helping out That's a Calvisi. good teammate. That's me. I'm a good teammate. <laughs> on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Covered 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Covered 2.